and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> My sobriety date is June 16, 2005. I got sober in Bend, Oregon. Um, my home group is the women's 5.30 in Verado meeting. It's a women's step study meeting. Um, and I have a sponsor who has a sponsor who has a sponsor. Um, and uh, so I was adopted. I was brought home really young as a baby. I mean, within my first 24 hours and always raised being um, that I was very special in the family. Um, that uh, they couldn't have children, so I was handpicked and placed with that family. I have a sister that is five years older than me. She too is adopted at a very, oh gosh, I think she was brought home at like two weeks. So I come and my, my family's a very, um, my dad was awesome. He retired from the county as, a, as an engineer for over 30 years. My mom is a stay-at-home mom. I mean, I had a, I have no complaints about my childhood. I had an amazing childhood. Um, but with that being said, I grew up, I remember going into kindergarten and feeling uncomfortable, even in kindergarten. You know, it was just uncomfortable. So what I decided to do, well, this is what I did, is I always had to be the top of the class. You know, I, I don't know, schoolwork, it came pretty easy to me. And, um, but I, I felt that I needed to be that number one person. And it talks about that in the big book, how we have to climb to the top, <laughs> top of the heap. And, you know, it wasn't until about um, my junior high year, and I was, I hadn't drank or done drugs or anything yet, and I was the president of my class in the eighth grade. I was the volleyball captain. All these things were going good. And then around that spring before we graduated, um, my sister had gotten married and I had my first champagne. I had stolen some champagne from her reception and drank it with the neighborhood boys. And my experience with that was that was the first time I could feel comfortable. I felt that, I did, I felt that ease and comfort that comes with that first drink. But what I didn't realize is that, you know, we, I stole three bottles and I drank almost all of it. And, you know, here I am a hider from the get-go. I mean, I am such a hider. It was interesting, too, though. i got to tell you, when I first got sober and I talked to my sister about it, she said she remembered me at three years old on the kitchen floor um, drinking straight vanilla. Which, at three years old, and that has 38% alcohol in it. So, you know, some of us, I, I struggle with, am I born an alcoholic? I think so. You know, I don't think that's... My child wasn't drinking straight vanilla, you know, when he was young. So anyway, you know, fast forward that first drink, boy, I, I liked that feeling. A couple um, months later when we graduated, I gave the graduation speech for our class. I mean, that was such an honor. My parents were so proud of me. And that was about the last time they were that proud of me because we had stashed booze bottles all the way to where we were having our dance party, and there I proceeded to black out that night, you know? Um, and what I remember was that that summer, I did a lot of babysitting, and uh, I drank a lot of people's booze. As the children went to bed, I was drinking their booze, or finding other things that they couldn't tell that I stole because it was illegal in the house, you know? Um, hot. Um, so, <laughs> but I'll stick to AA. But, so that is what really happened to me. And I remember I came in um, to high school, and I still had 
I had this newfound group of friends that were partying and having fun. And I had this idea in my head that I'm not going to live to be 21 anyway. And then I had this other group of friends that were, they were my friends. I mean, you know, they were the ones that I played the volleyball with and did all these wonderful things, you know, and my scholar friends, I should call them. And I remember walking to school and having to make that decision. I really felt like I, I came to a, a place I could not live both worlds. And, well, hello, the choice was, I'm going to go party and have fun. And that's literally what happened to me. And I ended up in my, my sophomore year, I, I was still in high school, and I was running with, um, not a real rough, well, a party group. You know, we were a party. We have Lake Berry Essence, Fairfield, California, and that's where I lived. And I was born and raised there. And um, our big deal was is we would cut class and go to Lake Berry Essence. And uh, there was a group of people there, and for whatever reason, my friends, or so I thought these were my friends, I got in a physical fight. Now, I'll tell you what, when I drink, I'm a happy drunk. I mean, or I pass out. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I was sober when this happened, and this girl kicked my ass. Oops. (laughs) And so um, I got really... I gotta tell you, my ego was so bruised as a sophomore in high school, I could not go back to high school. I couldn't. So what I did was I ended up going and getting a GED. I, I entered a, a school, it's called the Fairfield Susan Adult School. And um, at there, I ended up getting my GED early at 17. And also, the other thing I acquired when I was 17 was a fake ID, and I was named Penelope Sue Gomez, and it looked just <laughs> like me. <laughs> but what that gave me was the freedom that, as a 17-year-old girl, I could pass for being 21, and I could get into bars. And that's not a good place for a 17-year-old girl to be, especially when she blacks out after a couple drinks. Um, and that's what happened, you know. And I, I got to tell you, it wasn't... Not too long ago, I was sitting there listening to a speaker um, a couple years ago, and she introduced herself with, like, four names. And it was really funny because I was like, oh, but you know what? I've been married three times, too. (laughs) And it was like, so my first marriage was I ended up getting pregnant, getting married, having the baby, and leaving him within the first year. And that's what I did. You know, I have no regrets of having my son. He's an amazing, amazing son, and I love him. I hope these rooms are here for him someday, too. And um, anyway, so I was a young single parent at 20 years old. Um, I ended up moving back in with my mom and dad because that's what I had to do. when my son was six months old, I remember I could then legally drink. My favorite place was a place out in Cordelia, and it's called Thompson's Corners, and it's a dive bar. The darker, the ickier, I love them. I could hide out there, and that's where I feel comfortable. Um, and I remember when I was 21, I told, I, I used to do this. This is my deal. I would say, I got to go. I'm going to go to the store. I'll be right back. And I would tell my mom. And in all earnestness, I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to go get one drink. And that wouldn't happen. I would sit there at the bar. Seriously, I think this. Okay, after this drink, I'm going to go home. 
Okay, after this one, I'm going to go home. I'd look at the clock. It's midnight. Oh, my gosh, I'm already in trouble. Fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and drink now, you know, and that's what would happen. I would drink, and um, some days it would be more than uh, two days that I would be on a run. And finally, it was a couple months after doing that that my mom, who was and still is amazing, said, you know, Karen, if you keep up this behavior, we're going to fight for custody for your son. For whatever reason, whatever that did is it, it kind of like knocked some sense into me. Um, I ended up moving out and hiding my drinking from my parents even more. But I want to say I was a functioning alcoholic as a single parent. And at that time, I moved in with somebody and... Uh, I had a friend who also had a, a young, a, a daughter that was old enough to babysit my son. And so from that point on, I mean, it was just party on. And that was really kind of scary, you know, um, blacking out, ending up in places that I, I didn't even know how I got there. Waking up, I don't know if you guys know this, but waking up and not knowing how you got home and looking for your car, making sure it was out the front window you don't remember how you got there, or waking up and not knowing where you're at. That's scary stuff. Um, and it was weird. I mean, I, I didn't, there were periods of time that I could gather some sobriety together, but it wasn't ever long, you know, and every time it was like worse and worse and worse. And so I did only one geographical, and that was I worked for a company, and I have like over 20 years in the accounting um, field in the agriculture industry. And my job had asked me to, if I would be interested in relocating up to Bend, Oregon. And I was just amazed. I was so excited. And I said, yes. And here, I literally was thinking, mommy's going to clean up her act now. And my son's in the third grade, fourth grade. And I, I ended up moving up there. And I did it. For there was the first six months of living up in Bend, Oregon in 1994 that I didn't drink. But what happened was it was Memorial Day came around that three-day weekend. And I remember I walked into Albertsons, and I'm like, okay, where's your vodka? And they said, this is a state-run liquor, or a liquor state-run whatever, and uh, you only could buy hard alcohol at the little store right there next to Albertsons, which is closed on Sundays. So all I could buy right then was beer and wine. Well, of course, you know, so that's what I, I drank that day. But I became... Um, very good friends with the lady, the, uh, the manager of the store, the liquor store right there. And my son became first name, you know, they were acquaintances too. And uh, I ended up doing that for a while. And then I ended up finding um, my second husband um, not too long after I moved up there. I became friends with my neighbors and partied. Of course, we find the party people that we party with. And uh, he goes, hey, let's go out to a bar sometime. And I'm like, okay. And so we ended up going. And there was a scary guy there in the corner, and he ended up joining us. And um, he really scared me. He had wild hair. I mean, he was, like, really scary. And he ended up coming over and drinking and talking. And, you know, of course, we hit it off. And then we left. We left. And then my neighbor said, and his, the, the gentleman that I met there, his name was Fred. So two weeks later, he said, hey, you want to go back out to the to the bar, go shoot some pool or play some darts. I said, yeah, maybe that scary guy Fred will be there. And um, <laughs> this is, you know, I'm 30 years old now, um, growing up. And um, so sure enough, he was there. And, uh, you know, uh, my definition of dating is a lot different than what other people think. So anyway, 
he and his son ended up coming over to my house that night, and uh, <laughs> he stayed uh, for a while, and uh, we dated for about a month or two, and then my son's birthday came around, and it was only like two months after we'd been together, whatever you call it, and I get a call from him, and he's in jail. And I'm like, yeah, what happened? And he goes, can you go to my mom's house and go? And I had not yet met any of his family because we were just partying at my house, didn't know nothing about him, and go get some bail money. And I'm like, okay, are you okay? You know, I mean, this is the guy I've been in love with for two months. And I'm like, okay. So I, I remember I grabbed my neighbor, Jeff, and I said, okay, hey, I got to go. I got to go meet Fred's mom. So we take a couple shots of Jaeger. Because that's what we do, right? Before I go meet my future mother-in-law. <sighs> and I went over there, and I introduced myself to her. And, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know where he had lived. I didn't even know he was still living with his mom, but it really didn't matter at that point. And so she gives me the bail money and says, whatever you do, here's the money for him. Don't tell a stepdad, and he cannot come back here to live. And I went, oh, okay, thinking that he had all these friends, and, you know, it was going to be great and everything. So I literally go down to the jail to, to, you know, get him out and bail him out. And I've never done this stuff before. And, and he's sitting there, and they, the guy, the sheriff said, well, we need to release him to a responsible party. And I said, well, I guess I'm it. <laughs> so I became the responsible party, and he was on house arrest. And then, don't you know, two months later, he proposed to me, and of course I said yes. And then that, that's my second marriage. And we were both, I remember thinking in my head, um, and this is my MO. I love to hide behind worse, or I should say, more progressive alcoholics than me. It takes the attention off of me. He was, you know, further along in the disease. Everybody was aware that Fred was an alcoholic, but they couldn't see my alcoholism because my, my, my denial is very strong. You know, I had said earlier about sitting at the bar and um, not being able to get home and what, and this isn't anything, I heard someone say this, but I identified with it. My disease is stronger than the love of my own child. That is how strong my disease of alcoholism is because I couldn't go home. I kept drinking, even though I knew the right thing to do. And with Fred, we were, um, you know, alcohol worked for a while. We had a really good life up there in Van Dorgan. If you guys haven't ever been up there, it is an amazing place. We had all the toys. We had you know, a big pontoon boat. We did a lot of fishing, saw a lot of wildlife, had a lot of craziness out on the lakes. And it's only by God's grace that um, I'm still sitting here. And I think about so many times that, oh my goodness, that's just, I should not be here. I just shouldn't be here. Driving in the blackouts, you know, um, putting other people in jeopardy, driving drunk with my child in the car all the time. That was just second nature. Um, and Fred too, you know, and so we progressed in our, in our marriage, and it was about year nine, and um, it was getting a little bit out of control because any time, and you know, here's the deal. I remember um, booze was a lot more important than my mortgage payment, than my electric bills, than, uh, you know, all those other important things, and I became uh, friends with the pawn shop. There were certain items in the house that I would just go down to the pawn shop and pay my bills and get it out or you know, I mean, that's what we do. That's what I did anyway. And uh, I remember, well, my son will tell you this too. There was a time that I was trying to tell Fred that he needed to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. He needed to get sober because I couldn't handle it anymore. And that is why I was drinking because he was an alcoholic. 
And my son caught me. I mean, Fred finally did go to AA, but I was sitting there reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous with my big glass of wine. And I would tell him he couldn't drink, you know, and I would be sitting there drinking, you know, right along. I would get the flavored vodka and I would hide it in my water bottles like nobody knew. And um, I remember one time we even had people, we had some friends out on the pontoon boat and uh, I was trying to help dock the boat. I missed the dock and I didn't get killed then and I should have. It was very close. And I remember having lunch with a gal that was on the boat saying, you know, I picked up this water, Fred's water bottle and there was vodka in it. Did you know he's drinking? And I said, oh, yes. And I actually said, you know, that was his bottle. And it, it was mine. I saw her do that, and I was mortified. And um, anyway, it just, it worked for a while until it didn't. And then pretty soon I started getting these resentments, you know, and I was just drinking. And I remember Fred saying one night, have you ever taken a look at your own alcoholism? And I was insulted. I was so insulted. And then I thought, well, you know what, I'll just prove you. And um, I tried to uh, control my drinking. And I didn't want him to know that I couldn't stop drinking anymore. And that, I think, became one of the most scariest, darkest places. Very scary. And I remember, I mean, I wasn't, I was not an angel by any means. And I would sit one night, particularly right before my bottom, I was sitting in a hotel room asking God to just turn his back on me. Just leave me alone. This is where I'm going, and this is what I want to do. And um, for whatever reason, you know, I ended up, thank God I got to my bottom. Thank God I got to my bottom, and then I realized that I couldn't stop. And, you know, I had friends saying, and, and throughout that last year in 2004, we had, I didn't lose my family, although me and Fred had gotten separated. I, I didn't lose my son, although I had no relationship with my son. I didn't lose our house, although it had been in foreclosure like four times that year. I didn't lose my job that I should have because I was hanging on fairly by a, a string, you know. And um, I remember my neighbor, who her name was Margot, and she had told me that she was in Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, she would listen to me whine, and she was just this happy, young, single parent with two boys, always be bopping around, and I remember the last night I drank, and I said, um, Margo, I need to talk to you, and I cried, and uh, I said, I'm the one with the problem, I'm an alcoholic, and I got just, I finally was able to tell somebody, though, you know, and she said, oh, good. Okay, so can you just not drink the rest of the night and tomorrow? And I said, okay. And she goes, I'm going to take you to a meeting. I'm like, okay. And so I was just not understanding why she was so excited and happy. But so what? this is a trip, though, you know, because I the next day was payday. I cashed my check. I had cash on me. I had no intentions on going to that A and A meeting. And I remember I had my bags packed. And my house, we lived on an acre, and it was back here. Here's the road. Margo's house was right here next to the road. I had a long, dirt driveway. I was back in my truck, my packed bag, and my cash. I was out of there. I was done. I was leaving. My intentions that night were I was probably going to throw my truck in front of a semi. That was what I was feeling. 
I get to the end of the driveway, almost to the road, and Margot pops out going, hey, Karen, wait, are you going to that AA meeting? And I said, yes. And she goes, wait, I need a ride. <laughs> they talk about seconds and inches in this, in this program, by God's grace. And it was a speaker meeting. And the gal who spoke, she was so awesome. She made me laugh. Oh, so hard. And I could so identify with her drinking in her young teenage years and the parties and stuff. I so identified with her. And then the guy that spoke, he was amazing too because he talked about he had a lot of sorrow in his life before he came into the program, and that was why he drank. And I could totally relate to that, you know. And... Um, it was amazing, and I remember I basically sat on my hands that weekend. For whatever reason, I just closed myself off, and I didn't drink, and I detoxed myself. I remember Monday morning going to a meeting, because Margot used to go to the 7 a.m. meeting, and um, I remember going in there, and it was like everybody knew. They were all introducing him. I'm like, how do you know I'm new? There's like 40 people there. How do you know I'm so new? It really scared me, and... Um, you know, they were like you guys, these smiling faces, all warm and friendly, and just, hi, how are you doing? And, you know, the thing that I did here that day was keep coming back, and don't drink between meetings. And um, the don't drink between meetings was, I really felt like I was losing my best friend because alcohol had always helped me um, feel better, because I drank because I didn't like the way I felt, didn't like who I was. And I've been told that this program's an inside job, and boy, is it ever. And, you know, um, I just, I'm so grateful that you guys taught me to stick around and do the steps, get a sponsor, get into service work, you know, and that first year. And, and you know, i got to tell you, so it was a couple, just two weeks. I had two weeks sober, and I got invited to go camping sober. Are you freaking kidding me? That was usually my freebie binge for three to four days, you know. And I'm like, you guys are going camping? And my choice was to go camping with it with Margo and the AA people or stay home with Fred, who was still drinking. Fred was back in the house, and I was really scared. I was really scared that I was going to drink. And that's, I didn't want to do that. I had, we had a detached studio apartment, and that's where I was locking myself in at night so that I wouldn't drink. And um, that camp out was so awesome. You people were awesome. You welcomed me. You guys even came into our campground with guitars and played in our little campsite. I was, like, so scared. Oh, my gosh. And uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. But you know what? It was really good because I, I realized from early early on that we could have fun in sobriety because I was really afraid. I didn't think I was ever going to have fun again. And then what happened was um, 45 days after I got sober, Fred... Um, I got a 911 call, and I had EMTs at my house that Fred had called and said he was dying, and he was drunker than a skunk. And uh, they said, we'll save you an ambulance trip if you just take him into the hospital and check him in. So, and, you know, it was really kind of cool, because that's when Fred started this journey, you know, and he ended up, my husband, going into, um, they took him up to uh, Walla Walla, and there's a vet hospital up there, and that's where he did his first 30 days. And um, that was really amazing. And they say don't make, you know, a lot of changes your first year, but sometimes you have to. And there were some things in our life that was going on, and we needed to move, and there was just so much going on. And I just remember that you guys kept saying, you know, 
trust this process. And, and one time, our house, we had to sell our house, and we, it was really by God's grace, again, that we did that. And I remember sitting in a, a break room at work saying, all I need is I just, we just need a little one-bedroom downtown that we could have our dog under $700 a month. That's all we need, you know. And that is going to be available November 1st. And the gal said, standing right there, I know a place that's going to be available November 1st that you can have your dog. That's downtown. You know, that'll be available. And I'll check, and I know you can have it. And that's where I, I ended up, we ended up moving there, and it was three blocks from the fellowship that I got sober at. So I was in between the fellowship, and I had my work here. So it was very awesome. And by that time, I was doing bookend meetings, because you guys taught me not to drink between meetings. So I would do the 7 a.m., and after work, I would go back and do the 5.30. And I'm so grateful that you guys just kept welcoming me, because at first, I, I would come late, and I would run out that door, because I was so afraid of you guys. So afraid. But you guys just started showing me that unconditional love. And I started hearing. I started hearing, you know, God's the solution. I'm the problem. God's the solution. Boy, I was mad at that one. And um, I remember, you know, when I did get my first sponsor, I had interviewed for sponsor. I had a list that she had to be, you know, all these prerequisites that I wanted in the sponsor. And, you know, the main thing was is that she took me through the steps by the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That was the biggest one. You know, there was a couple other ones, and the other one of them was supposed to be, I wanted to be equally spiritually yoked with her. And you know what? By the time, you know, as she came to my house, and I'll tell you what, guys, she's going to be here in a couple weeks, and you're going to go, she did what? Because she was amazed that she even did that too. And I was like, no, please don't go. You know, she goes, I know you have other interviews. But, you know, I didn't care what her spirituality was because she had 12 years sober at that time, and whatever it was had worked. And so Patty Olson um, is still a dear friend and backup now. And um, from there I'm going to go to um, doing the steps was a, an amazing deal. And I believe that working the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, it changed me inside. And, you know, Fred was away at the um, White City vet hospital then because he was, he was pretty sick when he got sober. He had some real bad things going on with his, his liver and he had hep C and he, he was pretty physically sick. But what we would do is we would see each other on the weekends. And it's all about quality, not quantity, because we would have amazing, amazing time together. And um, that was the best year of our marriage was that year. Absolutely, hands down. So my first year of sobriety was amazing. June 16, 2006, I had a year, and so Fred was there for my birthday, it was awesome, and you guys, we were at the point that we were doing um, our eight and ninth step, and fast forward a little bit, two months later, Fred came up on his one year, and I remember he was in band, and I got to give him his one year coin, and it was so cool, and, um, and his anniversary was in August, and we... I'm sorry. We had planned to do this amends trip on Labor Day weekend. September 5th is Labor Day weekend right around there. To do a face-to-face amends. And you know, I say the steps are just so important. So important, not only for us, but for our family and friends. 
that weekend. For whatever reason, you know, because I normally would stay in a cheap hotel like a Motel 6, we stayed in the Phoenix and had a really super-duper nice suite so we could have the grandchildren over. Our plans were to do a face-to-face -face amends with his daughter and our grandchildren. And um, so we had the granddaughters over. It was amazing. We had a big barbecue at the hotel. and It was just so much fun. And, you know, that weekend, one of the things that me and Fred had talked about is we were doing the same. We would always read the Daily Reflection and the little 24-hour book. And um, the St. Francis prayer came up. And to us, we were talking, and we were both just like, I get it. That part, that one line in there, it's better to give love than to be loved. That we finally got. And in a couple, as in a marriage, I think that is like the most highest point you can get because that was amazing. And I feel very blessed. So after that whole weekend was really, really cool and he got to talk about his spirituality with his daughter because he had one of those white, white light experiences like Bill Wilson had. And uh, I ended up um, dropping him off the next day early in the morning and I headed over the mountain pass back to bed because he was in Medford. And uh, I remember saying goodbye to him that morning, and I got home, and I got home early enough, and I had taken that day off, and I called my sponsor, Patty, and I said, I told her about the St. Francis prayer. Because I would call her and tell her good things, too, not just bad things. And um, that day I had, service has never been an option in my sobriety or in my sponsorship family. I was taught to always be in service. And um, one of the things that happened was I had a, a wonderful home group and uh, I went to uh, the meeting that day after I got back and I got asked to be a sponsor and uh, that night we had a meeting, intergroup meeting, I was on the entertainment committee and there was three other alcoholics at my house when I got a call from the chaplain in Medford that Fred had been hit um, riding his bicycle. He had just dropped off the pictures to be developed and um, he was having brain surgery right there and that I needed to get going over there now. And um, as I looked up, one person was calling my sponsor already. And, um, you know, you guys never left me. You guys never left me. Ever. I went over. I, you guys taught me how to stay sober through it. I stayed sober through that. He ended up dying before I got there that night. And um, our last conversation on the phone was about sponsorship. So it was very beautiful. I have a lot of good... You guys taught me to find the good in everything. And, you know, and I have. And with him, he also had some real severe health issues going on. And I believe that this is God's way of taking him out with grace and dignity. That he didn't have to suffer a long, painful death. Um, and I had talked to his nurse before um, I came back here. And, you know, my sponsor made me go. When we got back, I just got done doing... I mean, that was just a crazy, crazy, crazy time and hard and... I didn't drink, and she made me go to a business meeting the next day as we came over the mountain pass, and um, I just remember her telling me, it's not about me, it's about the newcomer. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the business meeting, I want to go home now. I just made arrangements to, to have my husband cremated, I want to go home. And she said, Karen, it's not, it's really not, it's not about you. She said, I remember being early in sobriety, and someone from a podium had just lost their mom, and... Um, that was the only place she really knew where to go. And so I ended up going, okay, fine, but I'm going to wear my sunglasses. And she said, fine. And sure enough, we pull up to TEC at that little red door, and there's two newcomers out there, Arden and Pam, and they look at me going, Karen, because you know how word goes in AA, it spreads like wildfire, and they were just hugging me going, what are you doing here? And I'm like, 
where else have I got to go? Really, what else was I going to do? So I just, I owe my life to AA today, you know, because of you guys. Um, my life is just an amazing deal. The God of my understanding I found in steps two and three. And I love how that's put in there in step three and 11. The God, you know, as I understand him, my God, not your God, not your God, but the one that I can finally have a relationship with. Because part of my journey is churches. I tried to get sober through churches and it didn't work. I've been um, dunked twice, sprinkled once, nothing stuck. You know, I couldn't. This made sense. This is where I got that relationship. I had faith, and it talks about it in here. I had faith, but I didn't have that relationship with my buddy that I do today. The buddy that gives, you know, I, I believe the buddy, he, God speaks to me, my higher power, in that small, still voice that I have inside. And I need to pay attention to that. Because um, it tells me when I need to pick up the phone and call somebody. And it, I, again and again, things happen. And it was just, and it, these are happy tears because it's something I never knew. The joy of working with others and that service brings in this program. Oh my gosh. So I have to tell you guys, today is August 4th and it's a special day. It was Fred's birthday today. So that, I think, is why I'm a little bit more sensitive because it's been a while. I mean, he passed away in 2006 and I ended up getting remarried to an amazing man in sobriety. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a normie. He has, but through you guys, he has seen this program work. It's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, seriously, I bring newcomers home, and he, he looks at me, and then within weeks he's like, he sees these different women coming in and out of my house, and he knows. He goes to this, he's went to the international with me. You know, I mean, he is... He is amazing. I have to give him a lot of kudos, too. You know, and I just, I don't know, the God of my understanding today. And just, I, I am so blessed with the people that he keeps putting in my life because they're just amazing. I think I've had the best sponsors in the whole wide world. I got a face-to-face -face sponsor when I moved here. I needed one, and I'm so glad I did it, even though I was terrified, too. You know, and my friends are dear friends to me today, and, and the women. I think I sponsor the most beautiful women in the program. What can I say? You know, I just, I'm blessed with them. So anyway, my time's out, guys. I just thank you so much for, I just love this program. Thanks, Thanks. 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 Thanks.